Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. Today in the studio is Nell Larson. She is the executive director of the Swano Preserve and Eco Center right here in Park City, Utah. This is kind of a hybrid organization. The reason I say that is because Utah State University actually owns and manages this nonprofit. But as you'll hear Nell explain, they really operate pretty independently as any other nonprofit would. And she'll talk a little bit about having that support network of a university. And yet, for example, fundraising, uh, the university only provides a third of their fundraising. So the other two thirds, they're responsible for to raise. The other interesting point that she makes is about the education importance of getting kids specifically onto the preserve and learning in an outdoor environment, how that actually has so many benefits educationally and even physiologically for these kids. So I think you're going to really enjoy hearing more about not just what she does, but how this unique hybrid of a university and nonprofit coming together to do good in this world. Enjoy today's show. It is great, Nell, to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me. It's exciting. Absolutely. You know, let's go into your mission. Your mission, as stated on your website, is to preserve the land and the human connection to the natural landscape, to educate with local and broader communities about the value of nature, and to nurture both the ecosystem and the people connected with it. I love the wording of that. So let me start with, why is it so important, in your opinion, that we as a community or nation preserve lands like the Swana Preserve and Eco Center? Well, I think first and foremost, what it gets at is kind of you know, our landscape is who we are. And I think that goes, you know, for our whole country nationally, but I also think that here in Summit County and Park City specifically, that's a really strong feeling. I think that our open spaces and the things that come along with them are kind of a cornerstone of our identity. You know, who we are, for many of us, it's why we moved here. It's why we still love living here. It's why we stay here. Uh, And so I think that's really the key piece of it. And then also, you know, you can get a little more technical. Like, for example, um, you know, wetlands play a critical role. Wildlife, water quality, all of those things are really crucial, not to mention um, the benefits to people of having access to outdoors, whether it's health or mental, physical. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Talk about um, preserving the human connection to our natural landscape. I really like how that's worded. How does that really play out in terms of what you do there? Yeah. Um, So first I have to say um, our mission, which you read, is wonderful. And it's also kind of a mouthful. (laughs) There's a lot there. We often shorten that to just kind of take the key word from each phrase, preserve, educate, nurture. And um, that nurture piece um, is really the crux of it. I think it brings the two other pieces together. We kind of have this dual mission, right, where on the one hand, we're working to preserve this land, restore it, manage it, um, protect it. And then on the other hand, we're working on environmental education. And those two pieces really are 
inextricably linked in our opinion. You can't in the long run have one without the other. And so um, getting back to the nurturing piece, we, we feel like if we give people the resources to understand what's happening out in our environment, out in nature, um, then you have the tools and the resources and the reasons to care about it. That's fantastic. And um, you'd mentioned wetlands earlier. Talk about the many roles of wetlands and their critical importance for our environment. Why are they so important? So they're important everywhere, you know, internationally, but specifically in Utah, they're, I don't know if you want to say an underrepresented part of our landscape. They're a really small piece of the landscape. We're a desert state, you know. Right, we we're dry. Know yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, less than 1% of the state is made up of wetlands. Most of those wetlands are immediately adjacent to the Great Salt Lake. That's an incredible wetland ecosystem. Um, so to have wetlands in other locations like the Swana Preserve um, is really special and it's unique. And for that reason, they become critically important. Um, Wetlands act as really important um, stopovers for migratory birds, feeding areas, staging areas, um, nesting, mating, all of those activities for different species will often take place in a wetland. So even if you know, something isn't there for a long period of time. Um, the three weeks that it's there may be a critical period of its life. Um, and then water quality-wise, they do all kinds of cool things. They filter the water, they cool the water, um, and they also take out excess nutrients from the water. Uh, and then in our environment, and I think this is one of the coolest things they do, they really act like a sponge. It's this really porous environment. And so we all know in the spring, here we can get some really high stream flows the snow melts comes rushing off the mountains the the wetlands soak that up as much as possible and then they'll slowly release it during the drier months so those august september months when we start to feel like are these streams going to dry up that's where a lot of the water is coming from so it helps to regulate our systems here that's fascinating. And, you know, I've got three girls and, you know, in each one of their classes here in Park City, they always go to the Swanner Eco Center yeah. to tour things. And you have an active outreach to youth with our with your outdoor environmental education. And my guess is if you're from Park City, you've heard about that and maybe your kid has gone there. Yeah. But talk about that. What kind of programs specifically do you offer and why are these so critical in your opinion? Sure. So um, it gets back to that nurturing piece. And there's also a Jane Goodall quote that I love that I will have to share. And hopefully I don't butcher this, but essentially we will it gets check this at, on Google later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We will reference this. Um, you know, she said something about like only once we understand can we care, and only once we care will we help, or something along those lines. And so we want to um, teach everyone starting with our kids about how these systems work. So um, we have a really wide range of programs. They start um, for kids as young as three, um, ages three to five. We have an early learners program. Then we hit the, you know, the field trips. We see every fourth grader in Summit County, um, a bunch of kids from Wasatch. Uh, We also see a huge number of K through five classes. This year, I think we're at like almost 90 classes. Um, And So we've got all of those youth education programs that are a little more formal. And then we have things like summer camps and um, our eco club. And those are a little less formal and they're also a little bit of a deeper dive. You know, Um, there is a longer touch there. It's not just a single um, two hour field trip. Um, And then we have programs for adults as well. And so um, for kids especially, there's been a lot of research about how environmental education, especially outdoor environmental education, uh, impacts them and it is like truly surprising even from somebody that you know grew up spending lots of time outside and I can definitely 
extol the virtues of all of that. I mean, research research shows that kids, you know, um, score better on tests. They have better um, cognition skills. They can be more creative. Um, it helps kids that have some um, difficulties with things like attention deficit disorder. Um, and then it has really um, strong actual physical impacts like um you know obviously um there's no obesity issue spending time outside in nature helps with that um getting out of the classroom helps with vision um so it's really an all-around impact and so, so well more more than just understanding what nature yeah. provides it's uh, impacting the student themselves like individually right. Right. In many ways. Exactly. Like, you know, we'll get these cool comments from teachers like, hey, you know, Max is usually sitting in the back of the classroom. He can't pay attention. He never raises his hand. And then you come to this outdoor classroom. You're out on the preserve and those kids thrive. And so sometimes people just need a different setting. Not everybody learns well sitting at a desk. Uh, And so there are all of those kinds of benefits um you know these kids are learning their stem concepts that back up their core curriculum and that's how we design our programs but they're also just like fun opportunity to get outside and learn about our environment well it's interesting you mentioned that because uh i want you to talk a little bit about how you're organized because this is a nonprofit leadership you know podcast yeah. and i you were telling me earlier before we started the show about the the change in 2010 that now technically you're managed by utah state university so talk about how that shift happened and then maybe um things how they're different or maybe sure. how they're similar uh the, the way they were organized and, and previously managed because my guess would be number one most people think oh a university is just completely organized differently than a typical nonprofit. Sure. So talk about how those two come together. Sure. So I'll kind of uh, just give a brief history here as it relates to this. So the organization was founded in 1993. It was a small nonprofit for many years. Um, and during that time, all of the land was acquired. These three different parcels and education programs were started. In 2008, the Eco Center was built and the organization was kind of building. And um, During that time period, an executive director came on who had a really strong corporate background. You know, she really had a a strategic business mind. And she looked at the way that a small nonprofit operated and she thought, there's so many you know, um, efficiencies that could maybe be gained by having an institutional partner. Um, Small nonprofits have a lot of challenges, as we all know, um, to face and deal with on their own. So uh, she, uh, along with the board and um, a couple of other longtime partners, started talking about how to make this work. And uh, they went to the univer- their Utah State University after the university. So they initiated a conversation, in other words. Exactly, yeah. And um, Utah State University just jumped at the opportunity. And they were down at the Eco Center, you know, within the week and wanting to learn about what we did. And uh, for them, it was an extension of their mission, right? They wanted more outreach and education. Um, they didn't feel like they had a strong enough presence in this part of the state. Um, so it was a really good fit for them and and the board and the you know the founding family and the um, executive director all felt like it was a good move and so they made the move and in the beginning of 2010 we officially became part of the university so technically we gifted ourselves to Utah State University well that's an interesting part so yeah so in, in a sense the university uh-huh. took over all the assets uh, uh-huh. the staff yes uh, the organization as a whole its yeah. brand name etc uh-huh yeah uh, we're considered the largest gift in the university's history. Um, well done. Yeah. Well done. That's <laughs> I know, impressive. I know. 
and now uh, we are part of the university. We uh, started in the uh, one of the vice president's office of business and finance, and so it was kind of a central location. And the idea behind was that that was that we could work with everyone at the university. We wouldn't be in one specific department, um, so we wouldn't kind of be pigeonholed. Um, we did that for a few years. Everybody kind of felt like it might be a better fit to actually be within a group that did. Had, had a similar mission to ours. So um, we became uh, part of Extension in 2013, the USU Extension. And that's the part of the university that does outreach throughout the state. And uh, so that's been a lot of fun for us and it's it's a great home for us. Um, you kind of asked how we might be different from uh I don't know, like a traditional nonprofit. Right, because like, you know, go to your mm-hmm. website, it looks like you're the ED, just yeah. like a typical nonprofit. You have staff underneath you, you have mm-hmm. a board of directors. So where does the university fit in? It seems like it's a little bit different. Um, if it, the university was in charge, you would be, again, in a department, you'd have professors mm-hmm. and, and it would just be organized different. It would look yeah. different, I would think, but explain that a little bit more. Yeah, so it still feels um, to us very much like a nonprofit. We... Um, first of all, we're two hours physically from the university. And so we're in our own um, center, in the Eco Center. We have a small staff. Um, we um, can still be pretty nimble. We work very creatively. You know, it kind of has that startup feel. Things move fast. Um, we have, as far as a board goes, we have an advisory board. So in, when we okay. became part of the university, our board changed from a governing board to an advisory board. And those roles that... The advisory board doesn't have to fill like, you know, fiscal oversight, for example. Right. Those are pieces that are overseen by the university. And okay. so um, it, it's kind of maybe a little bit of a division of those labors. And, but then who do you report to? Who kind of oversees you specifically? Yeah. Um, the, the dean and vice president, Ken White, who runs Extension and the School of Agriculture and the Veterinary Experiment Station, or the Agriculture Experiment Station in the vet school. So he has this okay. huge purview, and we're underneath that um, as part of Extension, USU Extension. But it sounds like you have a lot of um, freedom in a sense, and you're independent oh, at one level, right, of what you do day in and day out. Yeah, absolutely, and that's great. Um, when the transition happened, when we became part of USU, I was a staff member. I was not the executive director, and I was skeptical. You know, like how is this going to change our our role, our jobs? What are you know? Are they going to come and say do do this differently, or we don't agree with the, the way you're doing this? And that's not ever been the case. I mean, um, they the university is really supportive of what we're doing, and they kind of say keep doing what you're doing and do more of it. You know, um, so there's a ton of flexibility, and and we're really independent in that way. Nice. Um, and then we have support in some of those other like tricky areas, like fiscal oversight you know it's wonderful to have university controllers and accountants who you can go to um, to talk about certain issues that's a great point so talk about yeah. finances and fundraising uh-huh. because when we have people on the show that always is one of the very oh, top of the list of yeah. what's one of the biggest challenges right of a nonprofit. so how does the university help with that and, and obviously you mentioned a couple things already you've got some great resources it sounds like you've got a larger staff than probably a nonprofit your size would otherwise have so talk about yeah who fund 
fundraises? Is that one of your responsibilities? Is it the universities? Is it both? Yeah. Um, so that's a great question and one that we've gotten a lot since we became part of the university. Um, people will sometimes assume, oh, that's so great that you're part of the university. You're fully funded. You don't need to fundraise anymore. And wouldn't that be a dream? That but... would be a dream for every nonprofit. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that That isn't the case for us. So we do get uh, a set amount of funding from Utah State University each year. Now it's about a third of our funding. And that's a really great baseline to work with. So you're um, still responsible for the other two thirds. And we're responsible for bringing in the other two thirds. And then as we want to grow, we'll be responsible for bringing in that additional funding as well. Um, I do want to mention staff, though, because we actually have a very small staff. And that's often, um, I, I don't. I think that's a, maybe a misconception. Um, so we have four full-time staff at the okay. Eco Center, mm-hmm. and uh, we have uh, five hourly staff at the Eco Center. So nine and total, so, so between the both groups. Exactly. And so it is a small group for actually what we do. Um, so I wouldn't say a larger staff than, you know, uh, a an organization our size, but again, we have like the university resources, like, um, you know, we have, we have an IT helpline that we can call. We have, I wonder, you know, like, like marketing help and <laughs> website help, right? Okay. Yeah, I, I would exactly. Guess that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so those are really nice resources. We don't have to have a staff person for that. We can draw in university expertise. So that's, that's a huge help. But it does seem like you do have a development director. Is that correct? We do. Yeah. And that's at a full-time role? It is, or okay. close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, you had asked kind of like, is the fundraising through the university? Right. The university does have an advancement department, and our development director is part of that, you know, so they will work with that group as well. But we have um, a dedicated development director um, at the Eco Center that works, you know, because this community, Summit County, Park City, um, is so important, that, you know, for our fundraising efforts that we we need to focus here. Well, it makes sense too. I mean, you, uh, it's a very generous community. Yeah. I'm sure Utah State's wanting to extend their um, reach to the rest of the state, and this is a wonderful place to do that. Yeah. And of course, then you know, people that live in Park City or Summit County benefit from the yeah. Eco Center. You know, their kids go there, they go there, so it just makes sense that you would fundraise from people that live right here. Right. So, do you have any right. guess, like, what percentage of the that two thirds that you have to raise comes right here from local sources? Oh, um, I would guess a. Pr- approximately a third of that um, without looking at the exact numbers, you know, and then um, the remaining piece of that comes from uh, grants. Uh, We do, of course, a lot of grant writing, so. I would guess that. Now, is that your job or is it development director? Maybe a little bit of both? Uh, A little bit of both. Um, Right now, it's primarily my job and... um, and you know that's that's fine. Um, we'll see how that evolves in the future. You know, but I think um, pursuing um, local grants really crosses the line, which is why we always work together on that. Versus you know applying for like an NSF grant or something. Sure. Yeah. So you know it's been what six years? Um, not quite. Um, what have been the benefits? Do you think of having this nonprofit be uh, gifted, as you said, to the university? What have been the benefits in your mind? Yeah, um, one of the things that I really love is having a larger community of people to work with. Um, we 
you know, are totally lucky to have a great community of nonprofits here in Park City that we work with a ton. But it's fun to have that university, that academic atmosphere. And when it comes to our land and restoration work, um, they can be really wonderful partners. We've worked with several professors and, you know, master's or PhD students who are working on research. And then, you know, they're looking for a project that's the right fit. We want information about some aspect of the preserve. And so it's a really fun partnership. We can bring some of the funding to the table. They'll bring some of the funding to the table. And then we get to work with these incredible people um, to learn about what we've got going on here. Well, it seems like a very unique model. You know, we've yeah. asked multiple people on this show, yeah. you know, what is the role of a nonprofit? And here's yeah. an interesting model where university and nonprofit kind of come together. Yeah. Do you think this is a model that should be copied in other places? Or is I, it unique to your yeah. kind of sector? Um, I... I would recommend it. I mean, to me, it's been such a positive experience. Um, And especially now that, you know, six years in, we've got some of the like logistics and the bumps in the road figured out, right? We kind of know how it's working. And it, and it works really well. Um, I don't know that it would work for everybody. You know, if you were, for example, a strong advocacy organization, you're not going to want to be part of a university, uh, because especially like a state universi- university. There'd be probably a lot um, of restrictions of what you can advocate for. Exactly, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, political stuff gets really tricky. Um, but for us, it's an awesome fit, especially being part of like a, a university that's known for its natural resources and its sciences. Um, it, it's great. I actually have a dual appointment to the Department of Watershed Sciences and the College of Natural Resources, and so we work with them a ton. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, and speaking of that, then let's go in kind of the nonprofit side of things. Yeah. What do you think now? Even though yours is a, a unique hybrid, if you want to call yeah. it, uh, for it a nonprofit, a <laughs> it seems that way. Yeah. It's, but it's very intriguing. Um, I think when you talked about fundraising and the third of your budget, yeah. I think everyone listening that's an ED is like, yeah. I want in. Where do I sign <laughs> yeah. up? How can I make this happen? <laughs> this is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, talk about the role of a nonprofit in our community, and maybe on this situation, how does nonprofits or how do nonprofits Uh, work best with universities or other educational institutions? Yeah. Um, So as far as a role of a nonprofit in our community, that's, you know, that's so big. And in this community, there are so many roles. And I think of it as kind of the things that have maybe been you know, skipped over or left behind, or there's a gap in services provided by government, or it's maybe not the mission of government to provide certain pieces. Um, So we provide the benefits um, that aren't coming from another direction. So in our case, that's environmental education and providing open space. Um, And then what was the other piece of that question? Yeah, just, and then how does a nonprofit, how should nonprofits work with universities and other educational institutions, maybe local schools, things like that? Yeah. so I would encourage everybody to think about, even if you're not like going to become part of a university, right, to think about how you can collaborate with those people. Because so often there are people at the university that I think are looking for real world applications or meaningful research or meaningful projects. And, you know, if you are there floating your idea or talking about what you do, the connections are really natural. Um, that's at least what I have found within Utah State University. Um you know, think about where you might want somebody to take a, that deep dive that you've never been able to. Like, when I have time, I'm going to. And that might be a good place to start looking at the relevant department or, um, you know, we have some great universities really close by here and uh, take advantage, you know, go talk to people, get to know them. At the very least, it's a nice, you know, outreach partner. 
Great point. Yeah. And now you again, you're in a unique uh, setup, if you will. What have been some of the biggest challenges of just a nonprofit in general, but particularly with your specific setup? Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it's a big question. There isn't one overriding challenge. I was kind of thinking about this before I walked in. There isn't one overriding challenge where I would say this is the thing. And I think it's um, for all nonprofits, the challenges are just that you kind of have to be a jack of all trades. Most of us or many of us as nonprofits have um, small staff. So you have to play a lot of different roles. Um, For us, one of the challenges in our unique position as being part of the university is explaining like that funding model. We still do need local support. explaining what our role is within the university, explaining that we're, um, we still very much act as a piece of this community here in Park City. So clarifying again that, yeah, you're, you are part yeah. of the university, but you're yeah. very locally driven and very exactly. locally focused. Yeah. And that's not something that, um, the university has ever wanted to take away or fiddle. that's something they very much support, you know, it's, it's a, it's a partner. That's yeah. fantastic. Well, yeah, good. yeah, it is. Well, uh, how can people find out more information about all you do? What's your website? Where's some other contact information they can get? Great. Um, our website is swannerecocenter.org. So that's a pretty easy one. Um, and then we're also active on our social media. So Facebook is a great way to find out what we're doing. Um, Instagram is a fun way to see what we're doing. Uh, and then the best way to stay up to date on specific events is, of course, our email list. And so um, you can link to that from our website as well. Nice. And remind yeah. people that maybe have never heard of Swanner Eco Center. Yeah. Physically, where are you located in Park City? Sure. So we are located in Kimball Junction at 1258 Center Drive, essentially, um, you know, right near the Whole Foods, the New Park Hotel, the Maxwell's. You kind of go through that development and we sit right at the edge of that on the edge of the nature preserve. Fantastic. Well, Nell, it has been so good having you on the show. Thanks for just giving us a really good picture of what you do. And for those who are listening, again, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. And uh, until next time, this is Rob Harder, your host. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast.